Hallelujah. Well, we are going to continue our series today. Um, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed about this series is that it's been very foundational. We're talking about the man Jesus, but we're talking about Jesus beyond the cross. We thank God for Jesus. We thank God, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We were so excited, uh, especially around this time, to celebrate the gift that God gave, Jesus coming and living on this earth and uh, being an example of what the kingdom looks like and then going to the cross so that we could be in that kingdom once again. Amen? But we know that that was Jesus' assignment, but it wasn't his purpose. There was more to Jesus. We've already learned that Jesus, before Jesus was on this planet as Jesus the man, he was the word. Going all the way back to the beginning, before the beginning even was, Jesus was there in the form of the word of God. John 1, John 1 uh, verse 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You know, we, we, we relegate Jesus to a man that was on this earth for 33 years, but he's so much more than that. Amen. And after he went to the cross, and after he rose again and he ascended into heaven, thank God he's still working today. But we've got we've to know that. We've got to know what is Jesus doing today? How is Jesus still operating in the earth today through believers, through you and I, through his church? And so we've been uh, just week after week looking at different roles um, if you will, for the lack of a better term, different assignments that Jesus is still fulfilling in the life of the believer today. The first one that we saw was the word, as we just mentioned. Jesus is the word, and the word is still active. Jesus himself said, the heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Jesus is still operating as the word of God, and we have the word of God to use at our disposal. Nothing can overcome the word. When God speaks a word, it's that way. When God speaks the word, he sees it as done. He sees it as completed, as finished. There's nothing else that he has to do to make the word work. It's you and I work in the word. Amen? The word works as long as we're working the word. Um, and then last week we took a look at the role of lordship. Jesus as Lord. We know that Paul in Romans said to confess Jesus as Lord. And Savior is uh, what he did. Jesus saved us, but Lord is who he is. That's how he operates. That is what he's doing. And Lord means to be owner. Means to be in ownership. Means to take ownership. And he doesn't just want to be Lord over us on Sundays. Doesn't want to just be Lord when we're worshiping him. He doesn't want to be Lord when everything's going good. He wants to be Lord in all of it. Amen. And he doesn't just want to be Lord over you, but he wants to be Lord over all your stuff. He wants to own you and everything that you have. Because when we make him Lord, the Lord looks after you. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Bible says the Lord will make his face to shine upon you. The Lord. We saw over in Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But see, a lot of people are wanting today because we haven't made him Lord. We haven't made him, made him owner. We've tried to figure it out on our own. We've tried to do it on our own. But when we realize that he's the owner, it's his obligation to take care of us. Amen. We're thankful that Jesus is our Lord. Today, I want to look at a role um, that, you know, can, can uh, uh, be, uh, what's the word? There's arguments about it. There's 
you know, different ideas of how Jesus operates in this area today. But I hope that we can go through the word and show you that Jesus is still the healer. Amen. Today, I want to look at Jesus as the healer. Go over to, um, uh, let's start at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Jesus is still healing today. You know, there's some people that say, well, you know, the healing power that's, that's gone on with the apostles, or that was just for specific individuals, or, uh, you know, healing is, uh, you know, up to God when he wants to heal you or how he wants to heal you. But I want to look at healing today. I want to look at how Jesus has provided healing for us and how he's made that available to us as his church. Jesus is the healer. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, uh, Paul is actually preaching to some Gentiles. Gentile simply means uh, the world, simply refers to the world, those outside of the covenant, the Jewish covenant. And when Jesus died on the cross and when he rose again, uh, the blessing that he uh, made available was made available to everybody. Nobody's excluded now. And so uh, or this is actually Peter, I'm sorry. Peter is ministering to uh, Cornelius and his family and his household. And he's preaching here. And in verse 38, he says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, I can minister to you about Jesus. Most of us know about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And everywhere that Jesus went, he healed people. And, uh, you know, I didn't put all the verses in there, but it's outlined all the way through the Gospels that Jesus healed them all, or they were all healed, they were all delivered. Jesus was in the business of healing people, healing people, people that needed healing. And when Jesus showed up on the planet, um, it was a time where uh, people needed a lot of healing. Amen. Uh, when Jesus showed up, there was what we call the, the silent years. From the book of Malachi uh, to the book of Matthew, uh, there's a time frame of about 500 years where God hasn't spoken. God is Uh, in the Old Testament, using prophets to minister to his people, to try to get them to turn from their wicked ways. They were constantly going in this circle of uh, serving God and then falling away from God and then being attacked and needing deliverance, and God would deliver them or God would send someone to deliver them, and then they would fall away again. And eventually God, God, God got tired of this cycle. In the Old Testament, there was no uh, just pray for forgiveness Because you had to go and you had to sacrifice animals and you had to go to the priest and offer up sacrifices and confess your sins. And then the priest could go in for you. Not not as easy as we have it today. Today you can literally stop and say, God, I, 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 I ask for your forgiveness. I've sinned. I need you to forgive me. We can do that today. The Bible tells us that he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so at this point in time when Jesus shows up on the planet, uh, people are needing deliverance. People are needing healing. People are bound. 
and healing was a way of setting people free. Now, there were people that were afflicted with diseases. There were diseases in the Bible, such as leprosy was a popular one. Um, And there were a lot of people that needed deliverance from leprosy. There were people uh, that were on the verge of death that needed healing and were raised back to life. There were people that actually died and raised back to life. We know of uh, one of Jesus' best friends uh, that died, and he was dead for four days. And Jesus came and delivered him. He rose again. He was healed again. So we know of these stories. We know of these individuals that Jesus has healed, and we know that healing power was with Jesus when he was on the planet. But I want you to know that Jesus made healing available to all people for the rest of time. Jesus is still in the healing business. If you look at um, Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 53, this is actually a, a prophetic word given in the Old Testament about Jesus and how Jesus would be offered up Offered up on the cross for all of mankind. He'd be offered up as the sacrifice for our sin. God chose an innocent individual to die for the guilty. You know, uh, God actually started that process all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God was always looking for something innocent to take the place of something guilty. That's how God operates. That's how God operates. Uh, you know, in our uh, Kingdom Institute, for those of you that are familiar, we operate a Bible school on uh, Sunday evenings, every Sunday evening. And um, we are currently in a class called the Blood Covenant. Powerful class, powerful teaching, learning of our covenant relationship that we have with our Father. And it's interesting to note that man was the one that fell from God, Right? God didn't do anything to wrong the relationship. Man was the one in the garden that fell from God and fell from his authority, fell from what he had said and operated in disobedience. But it's interesting to note that it's God. He's the one taking the initiative to right the relationship. See, this is how powerful the covenant is. This is how powerful God's love is. See, most of us in, uh, in our marriage relationships, if, if our spouse wrongs us, then it's up to our spouse to make it right. And I'm sitting right here, and when you're ready to come apologize, when you're ready to come admit you're wrong, when you're ready to come uh, you know, tell me that you're sorry and, 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 and you, you want to do better and you want to make it better, you just come right on over here. You let me know when you're ready, right? That's how we operate in our, in our marital relationships. But that's not how God did not how God did. God immediately starts working to find a way to get back in covenant with the one that wronged him. With the one that disobeyed him. He starts putting a plan in place. And Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But God said, no, 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 that, that, that's, that's not good enough. And he killed a few animals and took their skin and covered them with the skin. He took something that was innocent, just had nothing to do with the sin of Adam and Eve, and took from some took life from something that was innocent to cover for the guilty. 
And from then on, he's been doing that ever since. And that's what he did with Jesus. Jesus had nothing to do with our sin. Jesus had nothing to do with Adam's disobedience. Jesus had nothing to do with the fact that we disobey and we fall away. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But yet God saw the innocent as a suitable sacrifice for the guilty. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. And so Isaiah chapter 53, uh, Isaiah is outlining this prophetically. And he says here in verse 3, he says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. There was purpose. There was a reason for what Jesus went through. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And look at this. And by his stripes... We are healed. Most of the time when we point to the Easter uh, time frame, when we look at what Jesus endured on the cross and what Jesus went through that weekend, uh, most of the time we point to the fact that, they, that he saved us, he redeemed us, saved us from hell, gave us access to heaven, saved us from our sins, covered our sins by his blood. But we usually focus on the spiritual and we ignore the natural. But I want you to know today, that Jesus came not only to deliver you spiritually, he came to deliver you physically. And this verse tells us right here that the stripes that he took on his back was for our healing, was for our deliverance physically. See, the issue that I have with people that refute healing and with people that have an issue with healing is available for today is the fact that Jesus paid a high price for it. And it's as if we're saying that what Jesus paid and what Jesus endured wasn't good enough. That we still have to put up with it. We still have to endure sickness and disease. And I want you to know today that Jesus paid the price. Jesus took care of it. And I want to show you today, just very quickly, um, I could each easily preach a series on healing. And we probably will eventually. Because healing must be applied. Healing is the result of you applying your faith to God's power. I'll say that again. Healing is the result of applying your faith to God's power. There's two things in operation for healing to manifest. It's your faith along with God's power. What are you, what are you saying? God's power isn't enough? It sure isn't. It's got to be activated. It's got to be activated. This building has power running through it. There's electrical currents running through this building right now. Behind the walls, you can't even see it. You don't even know. Uh, there is an outlet right here, and behind this wall, there's metal conduit piping that takes wires all the way from here to the junction box over on the wall. There's power, and you don't see it. And the only way it's manifest, the only way that we uh, get to experience the power running through that outlet right now is because we've hooked something up to it. And we've got to hook up something to the power 
that God has made available. So we've seen here that Jesus operated with authority. He was going around all the towns and villages uh, speaking and ministering and then producing this power. But what we miss a lot of times is how the power was connected. How did people get to experience the power that Jesus had running through him? And so I want to take you to a story over in Mark chapter 5. And again, I, I could pull multiple stories. I could pull multiple places, multiple areas. One of my favorite stories uh, is when uh, Jesus heals uh, a soldier's servant, and all he has to do is just speak the word. I mean, that's how powerful this power is. You know, the churches that I grew up in, you know, we made a big deal out of healing lines, and, you know, you had to have hands laid on you. And the Bible tells us over in James, if, if you have someone that's sick in your church, bring them to the elders, have, have hands laid on them, and they'll receive healing. But I want to show you there's more to it than that. Because what we end up doing is we make it about the individual rather than the power that the individual is operating in. Well, I got to go see so-and-so. I mean, I, I know people that they'll, they'll chase people all over towns if they hear them, if they hear they're coming to town, and they make it about the individual and their ministry. And it was never meant to be about that. There was a, a, a sorcerer that came to the disciples one time and says, here's some money. I want to purchase some of that power. I want to purchase some of what you got. They said, it's not about that. This is the power of God. This power is available to anybody that knows how to activate it. And we've got to know how to activate the healing power of God because Jesus is still healing today. See, we're talking about the man beyond the cross. A lot of people see Jesus' work as complete at the cross, but I want to tell you something, that when he said it is finished, it was just beginning. It was just getting started. And this isn't just to wait around and wait till we get to heaven and endure everything in this earth and endure all that Satan has for us. No, we're here to conquer. We're here to overcome. We're here to be victorious in the earth today. The devil's power is great. There are people that are dying today from diseases uh, and, and, and sicknesses, but I want to tell you today that that only makes God's power greater. You can tell me all day long about how 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 uh, powerful sickness and disease is. You can get a doctor to me, and they, they can talk about how terrible these diseases are and how quickly they'll take you out, but that just makes my God even more greater because he's whipped all that. He's defeated all that. Amen? And here in Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 21, I want to look at a story where this power is made available. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Listen to his conversation here. These people are absolutely convinced. If we can get Jesus on the scene, healing will take place. There's no doubt in their minds. He, he says it here. Now he's at the last chance, last hope. 
sometimes you find the most faith in those that have expensed all other ways. There's just there's nothing else that I have. God, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to operate here. And so Jairus' communication here is, if you come, she will live. She will be healed. Let's keep going. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Verse 25 says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Again, an individual that has expensed all other ways. Financially, with doctors, she's tried it, and nothing has worked. In fact, she's just getting worse. She's at a position here now where she has to rely on Jesus. My hope is in you. If I'm going to live, I have to receive power from you. And when she heard about Jesus, notice here that she didn't even hear Jesus himself. She just heard about Jesus. Anybody heard about Jesus? Yeah, that's called building faith. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Listen to her conversation here. Listen to what she's saying. If I will only touch your clothes, touch his clothes, I will be made well. I'll receive my healing. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that what power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes. Now, you're thinking the same thing that Peter's thinking. You're thinking the same thing his disciples are thinking. His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? In essence, they're saying, everybody's touching you. And you're going to ask, who is the one singular specific individual that's touched me? Why? Because there's a different touching going on. There's a touching with a drawing that's taking place. And verse 32 says, And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, watch this, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." Your faith has made you well. And this is what we miss a lot of times, guys. When we look at the life of Jesus and we, we look at the, the healings and the miracles that took place, we put a lot of the credit and a lot of emphasis on Jesus. And Jesus was the one with power. And Jesus was the Son of God. You know, we say it all the time. Jesus was 100% God, but Jesus was also 100% man. The exciting thing about Jesus and the exciting thing about Jesus' life is that he did nothing on this earth that you and I can't do. I'll say that again. I know it can be tough to swallow because 
we, we, we put Jesus on this pedestal. But Jesus came here as an example of what man in the kingdom of God can do. Jesus was a man that operated by the Spirit and had the power of God upon him to do the things that he did. And so Jesus here is not saying, because I'm so powerful and because I'm the Son of God and because I've come down here from heaven and I've got all this power that nobody else has, uh, here's some healing. He doesn't make that statement. No, he says, go in peace. Your Faith has made you well. Faith is what we hook up to the power of God to receive what God has for us. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to live a life that pleases God if we're not believing in something we can't see. Faith is necessary. Faith is what we use to hook up, plug into. The power was there. Jesus had power running through his body. Now, multiple people are touching Jesus. Jesus makes this statement, who touched me? And his disciples say, everybody's touching me. Well, if that were the fact, then there there should have been healings just all over the place. (laughs) There should have just been people being delivered and set free and healed uh, just left and right, man. The crowd's thronging him. The crowd's touching him. There's so many people there that it it causes his disciples to make this statement. Who touched you? You're asking who touched you? Are you serious, Jesus? Are you kidding me right now? Everybody's touching you. We're trying to get you to a location so you can heal somebody's daughter. But no, he makes the statement, who touched me? Who drew on the power. Now, there's a few things that we have to look at in these verses that identify why this woman was different than the other. Why this woman received something that nobody else did. So let's take a look at a few things. Verse 27, let's go back to verse, or I'm sorry, verse 25. Go back up to verse 25. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse the first thing is is she puts herself in a posture puts herself in a position where jesus has to come through i'm convinced that one of the reasons why we don't see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that we that that were uh, available back then is we have other options. If I have a headache, I can just go take some aspirin. And we have doctors that have uh, innumerable amounts of wisdom and, and can do things, and thank God for them. There are some godly doctors out there. There are some doctors out there that God has blessed with wisdom to know what's causing a certain thing, know why certain symptoms are occurring. But we've we've got options. Those options can prescribe, or those doctors can prescribe one of two things. They can either prescribe medication or they can prescribe a procedure. 
But see, back in these days, they didn't have all that. Now, yes, she went to some doctors, but doctors didn't do anything for her. So the question that I have for you is, what do you do when the doctors can't do it? What do you do when the medicine can't take care of it? What do you do when the procedure doesn't quite get it taken care of? Are we done? Are we hopeless? Do, do we not have any other options? See, there's countries that see miracles like this take place all the time. There's evangelists that go to these other countries in, in Africa, poorer communities that don't have the options that we have, and these miracles happen like nothing. Why? Because they don't have the options that we have. Jesus has to be your option. Jesus has to be your hope. Jairus is running to Jesus because you're my hope. You're the answer for what's going on here. You're the one that's going to help me in this situation. Now, let's keep going. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus. Now, what do you think she's hearing? (laughs) What do you think this woman is hearing about Jesus. Well, she's hearing that Jesus, everywhere he goes, heals people. She's hearing that everywhere Jesus goes, people are being delivered. Demons are being cast out. Man, you got to go see this man, Jesus. There were these ten lepers that came to him, and he healed all of them. They were, I mean, I saw their skin. It healed up right in front of me. There was this, there was this one time I was in this house with Jesus, and, and he was ministering. And these guys cut open the roof, and they dropped a man down on a mat that couldn't even walk. And he, he, they, they placed him right in front of Jesus, and Jesus healed him right there on the spot. And the guy took up his mat and walked. There was this one time he was in my hometown, and he healed everybody. He spent the whole day laying hands on the sick, and they recovered. They were healed. And I bet, I bet if you go see this man, he can heal you too. I bet if you get around him, this thing can be taken care of. This affliction that you're enduring, this sickness you're going through, he can heal you. He can heal you. What does that do that builds up faith in an individual? Well, the Romans chapter 10 tells us that faith comes by, let's try that again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. What you hear develops faith. What you hear develops faith. If you feel like you don't have enough faith, just change what you're listening to. change what you're listening to now that verse in romans chapter 10 it it actually goes like this faith comes by hearing comma and hearing by the word of god faith comes by hearing faith comes by hearing faith comes by hearing is a statement all by itself the problem with it is whatever you hear will develop your faith so if i listen to the wrong things i'll build up faith in the wrong things If I listen to enough doctor's reports, I'll just believe that this is just the way it's going to be. I've heard plenty of times where doctors 
have to tell people there's no hope. They just prescribe medications to make you comfortable until that day comes. They don't have an answer. There's a disease out there today that is rampant in the world that there's no cure for. It's called cancer. It's called cancer. Then it will take your life. And a lot of these people that come across this, the doctors hope that they just catch it early enough. And then their answer is to put things in your body that just destroys your body altogether because they can't just attack the bad stuff. They have to take out the good stuff with it, and people lose their hair and lose weight, and, 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 and all kinds of things happen, lose appetites. That's the world's answer. But Jesus' answer is complete healing. Jesus' answer is complete deliverance. Now, again, I'm not demeaning doctors at all. I'll go see a doctor if I've got an issue. I I, want to know what it is that I need to pray about. If anything, I'll go see a doctor just so I can find out what's going on and say, all right, now I can put my faith to this thing. Now I can attach my faith and I can believe in God and stand on his word that this thing will be healed. This thing will be taken care of. So she hears about Jesus. If you're lacking in faith, you just got to change what you're hearing. Because hearing builds faith. And then she keeps going. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28, for she said, for she said, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. One of the signs that you believe something is you start saying it. She's talking to herself now. She's not having this conversation with anybody else. She didn't stop somebody and say, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm going to go up in there and I'm going to touch his garment. When I touch his garment, I'm going to be made well. She's, she's telling herself. Sometimes you just got to communicate to yourself, right? And she is communicating what she believes in her heart based upon what she heard with her mouth, what, what she heard with her ears. And now she's communicating with her mouth. She's saying something. If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. So first she hears something. Two, she says something. And three, she does something because she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now she's doing. Now she's applying. She hears She says she does. And what does that do? That activates the power of God in another man. That activates the power of God in another man. That's not even thinking about her, not even directing his attention to her. He's able, she's able to get his attention because she has shown up with faith that draws on the power of God. This is amazing stuff, guys. This is real stuff. This is not a a book of stories. This is not a book of just good things that happen to people. This is not a book of, well, God did it for them, but he won't do it for me. This stuff is in here so you can now hear it, live it, and apply it to your life and make it happen in your life. That's why we have this book. 
This is real. This is real. And this isn't the only occurrence. There's multiple times that Jesus will look at somebody after they've been healed and look at them and say, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has delivered you. There are two ways, two ways that healing is manifested. Two ways that healing is manifested. The number one way is the way that we just saw, by your faith. Your faith activates healing. Your faith, connected to the power of God, manifests healing in your body. The second way is by a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And there was one occurrence that that this took place with Jesus where the individual showed no faith, showed no ability to believe that God could heal him, but Jesus showed up and healed him. There's one occurrence. To all the other occurrences that we have, there's one occurrence where this took place. And Jesus shows up at uh, the pool of Bethesda, and there's multiple sick people laying around this body of water, this pool of water. Because once a year, an angel would come down and touch the water, and if anyone could, first person that could get in the water would be healed. You see what people are relegated to back then? Just lay around a pool all day long until this angel shows up and hope that you're the first one in the water. Man, we have it so much better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you have made available to us. You have given us access to your healing power. They're relegated to laying around a pool of water. And Jesus shows up and goes to one individual. This individual has no idea who he is. He comes up to him and says, uh, you know, and, and Esther says, what are you doing? And the guy says, well, you know, I'm waiting here. Hoping that somebody can come put me in the water. When that angel shows up, has no idea it's Jesus. In fact, he calls him sir. One of the few individuals that called him sir. A lot of people called him rabbi or teacher, master, messiah, lord, Christ. But this man calls him sir. Has no idea who he is. Has no idea the power that's available. And by the spirit of God, Jesus is able to raise this man up. But here's the thing I want you to understand is being healed is not the same as staying healed. And the way that you stay healed is by faith. By faith. There's a prominent minister today that operates in a healing ministry. If I said his name, you'd know who he is. And uh, he contacted uh, another man that operated in, in signs and wonders. Because there were, he was holding these crusades and, and many people were being healed. Many people were seeing manifestations of healing. But then he was getting reports that the sickness was coming back on these people. And he contacted this individual and, and, and said, what, what do I need to do? Help, help me teach these people how to keep their healing. See, God wants you to live a life of perpetual healing. God isn't a God that just responds. He's not just reactive. He's proactive. 
God wants to keep you living a life of perpetual healing. Now, why do we make such a big deal out of healing? Why do we make a big deal out of being sick? See, you are here in the earth for a purpose. You're here in the earth to do kingdom work. And you're a three-part being. You are a spirit that possesses a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. And since the curse is upon the earth and your body is the dust of the ground, it is under the curse. It's under the curse. This body, even after we come into the kingdom, is susceptible to sickness and disease. There's sickness and disease that's going around this county right now. Like, I've, I've never seen it in any other location. There, there's the flu going around, the stomach bug going around, uh, the change of the weather, all the pollen. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous. And our bodies are susceptible to that. But here's the problem. When you're at home laid up in the bed, when you're at home, uh, you know, caring for yourself, how are you influencing anybody else? See, God didn't design us to lay up in a bed sick all the time. God didn't design us to, 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 to be stuck in a room where we're having to receive care and attention. He's called the church to care and attend to the world's needs. So we've got to live above that stuff. When sickness and disease tries to come on you, you cast it off. And you believe his word and his healing power is available when you connect your faith to it. Because Jesus is still the healer. Jesus is still healing today. Those aren't bygone days. Those weren't the days of old. Oh, don't you remember those days? Now, there was the days, uh, you know, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, it was called the healing revival. It was a healing revival where people would set up tents and, you know, you had men like Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin, A.A. Allen, Lester Stummer. You had these men that would travel around and they would have these healing revivals and people would just receive it. Why? Because they were hearing so much of it. Healing is a result of hearing. And that hearing developing faith that allows us to activate the power of God. Jesus did not pick out this woman in this crowd and said, I want to heal her. This woman set herself apart by coming to Jesus in faith based upon what she heard and activated the power of God by just saying, if I will touch his clothes. And then Jesus' answer. Jesus' answer. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Power. Power. Now, you say, Jesus isn't in the earth today. So if Jesus isn't in the earth, how can I go touch Jesus and receive his power? We'll go over to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. This is after Jesus has died, risen again, and now he's about to ascend to heaven. And he's communicating with his disciples. See, Jesus raised up the disciples not because he wanted a posse or a clan or a crew to hang out with. He wasn't a lonely guy that just said, I don't have anything else to do. Let me go find some people to just follow me around everywhere. No, Jesus came to this earth, did what he did for three years, 
and said, now you're going to go do what I've been doing. And that's why we have the book of Acts. And so he's having a, a, a last conversation before he goes up to heaven. This is what he says, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these signs will follow those who believe. Who what? Who believe. Not the specially called ones, not the ones that I specifically assign, uh, not the ones that I give a special power or anointing to. Those who believe. If you are a believer, you qualify for the signs. Okay? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We saw all these things when we were talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not literally talking about drinking poison and handling snakes. That's not this kind of church. I don't have a special little case under here where we pick up snakes and start handling them and then you know pass around Kool-Aid and, and do all that mess. He's, he's referencing the power of the enemy, the power of darkness, and saying we've got power over that. Snakes and poison are a reference to the power of the devil, and even though it's real, we have power over it. And then he makes this statement. They will lay hands on the sick, and they might recover, and they maybe will recover. If they have enough faith, they'll recover. If they believe hard enough, they'll recover. No, he says, and they will recover. A sign of a believer is the power to heal and see healings take place. Now, it's not your power. It's the power of God operating through you, just as the power of God operated through Jesus. Jesus, without the power of God, was just a man. But Jesus operated in the power of God. Jesus had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. But that's for everybody. So this healing power that we just saw on display in Mark chapter 5 ought to be on display in the church today. In fact, this is the part of the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission that we talk about, not the Great Omission, the Great Commission that this is what Jesus has sent us out to do. And, and we have simply relegated it today that we just preach a salvation message and we make a bunch of converts. We have dumbed down and simplified what Jesus is stating here in this passage. Way below what Jesus was saying. Jesus, the man beyond the cross, is still effectively healing people today the power of god still works the power of god still operates to heal and deliver people bound by sickness and disease it doesn't matter how large it doesn't matter how great it doesn't matter how small he'll heal the flu and he'll heal cancer he'll mend broken bones and he'll uh, give eyesight to those that can't see and he'll give hearing to those that can't hear and he'll raise up those that can't walk Amen. That's the power of God in operation today. But we've got to have faith. We've got to have faith. We've got to operate by faith. 
And the more we develop our faith and the stronger we develop our faith, the more we can see the power of God in operation through healing. God's word is still true. God's word is still applicable to our lives today. You go over into the book of Acts, and the exciting thing about the book of Acts is everything that Jesus did, they did. It didn't take them very long. You get three chapters in, and we already see Peter and John with the boldness to look at a man that is lame from his mother's birth uh, and, and, and able to raise him up in the name of Jesus. Didn't take them very long to start living out and start doing what Jesus did. Jesus was one man on this earth that could go around as much as he did and heal. Go over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 1. Mark chapter 6 verse 1. I want to show you uh, what keeps you from being healed. Show you why this is so important. Mark chapter 6 verse 1. Then he went out from there. And came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. His own country. Nazareth. Where he's from. Hometown. And when the Sabbath had come. He began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished saying. Where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this? Which is given to him. That such mighty works are performed. By his hand. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And look at this statement. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. These people didn't receive from Jesus because to them he was just the carpenter's kid. He was the guy that built their tables and chairs. He was the guy that ran around with their kids. They knew his parents. They knew his brothers. They knew his sisters. This guy is not any different than us. And even though he's preaching the message, even though he's still uh, operating with the same signs and wonders, they don't believe. And verse 5 says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now this is the only occurrence that we have where Jesus did not heal everyone. The only occurrence. Multiple occurrences that we have in the Word. Jesus went into a town and healed them all. Laid hands on the sick and they recovered. And now we get here in his own hometown where they don't believe he's the Son of God. They just believe he's Jesus the man. They don't believe he has any power. They don't believe that he can work any miracles. And so it says here that he could only lay hands on a few sick people. Far cry from what we see in the other passages. And look what it says in verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Well, what's the 
opposite of faith. Doubt. If I don't believe, then I unbelieve. He marveled at their unbelief, but watch what he does. Then he went about the villages in a circuit. What? Teaching. Why? We got to build some faith. They got to hear something different. Because if they can hear the right thing, they can believe the right thing. And if they can believe the right thing, they can see the right thing. Guys, it's no different today. We've got to develop faith. We've got to build our faith. We have to develop our ability to believe in the power of God that is still in operation today. God said uh, in his word that I am God. I do not change. He said this, I am not a respecter of persons. If he would heal them then, he'll heal them today. If he'd heal that person, he'll heal you. If he'd heal your grandma, he'll heal you. If he'd heal your kids, he'll heal you. If he'd heal your co-worker, he'll heal you. God is not a person that goes around picking and choosing who he heals and who he doesn't. Those who believe, those who hear the word of faith and get the faith built up within them and then live that out and speak that out and live it and apply it out, they will see the miracles of God in manifestation in their lives. They will see the healing power of God manifest. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's not because of who lays hands on you. It's not the matter of the service. It's not the matter of the environment. It's not the, it, none of that will change anything. If you don't believe, you won't see anything. Now, there's opportunities. There's opportunities. There's services. Revival meetings, what have you, where there is a gift or a manifestation to heal that's available. What's that mean? That there's an environment or an atmosphere that raises your faith to another level. And you don't want to miss those moments. But it's not stuck to that. God doesn't pick and choose when he moves. If you'll believe, he'll heal. Now, here's the exciting thing. Here's how I want to wrap, wrap this up for you. The healing is already yours. You know, we just read that verse in Isaiah chapter 53. By his stripes, you're healed. Uh, Peter actually repeats this over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He says, by, your, by his stripes, you were healed. Past tense. I heard one minister put it this way. Before you were sick, you were healed. He's already made healing available for you. He's already made healing available to you. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. All spiritual blessings. You know, there is nothing that God can do for you today that he hasn't already completed for you. The Bible actually tells us that God is sitting God isn't working anymore God has done everything for us as his church and his people now it's just a matter of accessing those things he's already made available and healing is available to all healing is available to all there is an individual that um, I was praying with just a couple weeks ago battling something and they're trying to find 
the right medication to take care of it. And I said, that's fine. If we need to get some medication on it to, to cause some symptoms to, to subside so you can get in a position where you can believe because this person without the medication, uh, they're, they're so scattered and they're not able to focus. So fine, let's get on that. Let's, let's, get, let's do the things in the natural we need to do and then let's go let God do it. But when it comes down to it, we believe that God can take care of it where we don't need medication. There are people that I know that are on medications for the rest of their life. Without it, they'll be in a mess. And God didn't design us to live that way. God did not design us to live that way. God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. God wants you. Sure, it can be a testimony. Yes, anything that God does can be a testimony. Bible tells us that we overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimonies are powerful. But I tell you, the greatest testimony is that God performed the miracle. When you look at the stories in the Bible, the reason why we have a hard time believing them to be true today is because man had nothing to do with it. Man had nothing to do with the parting of a Red Sea. You had to trust in God. Man had nothing to do with some walls falling down around a city. You had to trust in God. Man had nothing to do with a rock going into a giant's head, a small little shepherd boy defeating an entire army because God had to do it. The the miracles in the Bible took place because God did it. He just used you and I. He's using mankind, and he's still using mankind today. And a man that will believe, a man that will set himself to look at the word of God, apply the word of God, hear the word of God, and live the word of God, will see the manifest power of God in their life. I want you to be convinced today. I want you to be as convinced as these individuals. You know what that, you know what that story did for Jairus? See, sometimes when you're believing for God, he'll put you around somebody that, else that gets their miracle. You know what that did for Jairus? Even though he could have been getting a little squirmish. Why are you stopping right now? My daughter's about to die. What do you, we're on the way somewhere. Don't, don't talk to anybody. Don't touch anybody. We've got to get somewhere. But you know what that did for him? That just raised his faith. Because he gets to his house and they tell him, you're too late. What does Jesus say? Oh, she's, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. And everybody laughs at him and mocks him and says, Jairus, who, who did you bring here? Who's this loony to? We were just in there. The girl is dead. Jesus gets in there. He tells everybody to get out. Sometimes you got to remove doubt. Sometimes you got to get yourself in a posture where I'm not talking to anybody. If you can't believe like I'm believing, we're not having any conversation right now. I'm shutting you out. It's nothing personal, but I'm believing for a miracle. And my miracle is more important than our relationship. Come on. He shuts them all out, says, you get out. I'm going to keep my disciples in here because they believe with me. I'm going to keep Jairus and his wife in here, and we're going to see this girl raised up. And did she raise up? Amen. She sure did. 
sometimes you got to take notice of what's attacking your faith. Because if your faith gets attacked and weakened, we can't stand and believe. See, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew it's not just because the power is in my body. I need this man's faith. So let's get rid of anything that's going to hinder his faith. If it was just about the power of God, then Jesus would have said, I don't care what y'all say. I'm going to come in here and raise this daughter up. But it's not about that. I need to attach my power to somebody's faith so we can activate the power of God and see this daughter raised up. It's about your faith. God is looking for people with faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So get around the teaching. I mean, I've told y'all so many times now. When I was growing up, I'm so thankful for my parents. When I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to be sick. I mean, literally, I was not. if If I had to stay home from school, I had to watch videos of ministers teaching on healing. That's not a joke. That's not a lie. I'm not just saying that to sound more spiritual. My mom would put on teachings of people ministering healing. Why? Because you're going to school tomorrow. Because you got to get healed. You can't stay sick. The audacity. Why? I got to develop faith. We're going to develop faith so we can see sickness and disease go. It doesn't have a place. You are a child of the king. You are in the kingdom of God. Sickness and disease does not have place in your body. And you just got to get that bold. And you just got to get that audacious about it. That I am not going to allow anything to keep me from mine. It's a blessing that's already mine. I'm a child of the king. I belong to God. He's already paid the price. He took stripes on his back. And so I'm going to stand for my healing. And I'm going to stand until I see it. How long do I believe? Till you see it. Go get yourself in the closet. Go get your healing scriptures out and just read them. What do I do when I'm done reading them? Read them again. And read them again. And read them again. And don't just let up. You know what they tell you on a lot of uh, most antibiotics that you take? You take it till it's all done. A lot of people start t- stop taking it after the third or the fourth day because I feel better. No, we just keep going. We just keep going. And we apply the word. And we hear the word. And we apply the word. And we speak the word. And we apply the word. And we hear the word some more. And we speak the word some more. And we live the word some more. And I don't come off of it. I don't care what you say. And I don't care what you say. I believe in the word of God. And I will see his healing power manifest in my life. And he'll receive all the glory. He'll receive all the praise. Not me. Not some doctor. Not some medicine. Uh, I feel so much better after taking this stuff. No, I feel so much better because I've just taken a dose of the word of God. With this individual I was speaking with a couple weeks ago, I said, you're, you're on these medications that these doctors prescribed you, right? Yes. And uh, did, does... Did they tell you how to take it? Well, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to take one in the morning and and one at night. I said, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I've got five verses for you. And I want you to read these five verses three times a day. In the medical field, it's called TID. Anybody knows your Latin? TID, three times daily. 
So I want you to go, and I'm prescribing this to you. I want you to print them out. I want you to type them out. I want you to print them out. I want them in your car. I want them on your mirror. I want them at your desk. I want them in the kitchen. I want them in the living room. I want these verses everywhere. And you are going to read them out loud to yourself three times a day. And don't miss a dose. Now, you're going to do, you're going to go and you're going to put faith in what the doctor says. And the word is even greater than that. It's amazing. We'll believe a doctor. But we have a hard time believing this. And this is God's word. This is God's word that he says will never fail. He said in Isaiah chapter 55, I have sent my word. And it will accomplish that which I send it to do. And it will not return to me void. Just like the rain and just like the snow, they come from the sky and they water the ground. So does my word. People these days, I mean, we'll go home, turn on the news, and, you know, the, the weatherman will give a report that a hurricane's on the way. It's a sunny day, beautiful day, and they'll put more faith in that, and they'll run to Walmart, start boarding up the house, buying out every grocery and all the water jugs they can find. But then when I, I preach something like, and healing is available for you. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. to study that out. Let, let me let me get all my scriptures. Let me get my Strong's Concordance. Let me go get my thesaurus out. Let me get my, my history Bible out. And Well, you know, back in those days, healing... People were healed. People were set free. People were delivered. And the same God that operated that way is still operating today. Alright, I know I'm running long, but I gotta say this. There's no experience that will override God's Word. Now, I say that because I know that you have had experiences or you know somebody that's had an experience, but their experience will never override what the Word says. I remember I was having a conversation with a a person once. I just started this new job moved all the way from Texas to Florida and I'm working at this bank and uh, you know uh, I'm excited about telling people about church and, and this girl was already a Christian denominational I'm not, I don't have to say what denomination but she believed a certain way and, and uh, we got on a conversation about healing and I'm bold about it because uh, like I said the price has been paid but we got on the story and, and so she wants to tell me about her grandma my grandma, she stood and she stood in faith. She stood in belief, and, and she died. But I believe that God took her home. I believe that God, you know, needed her in heaven. I said, I, I believe that, and I believe that she's in heaven with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. She was a believer. But God didn't need her in heaven. God doesn't need you in heaven. He needs you in the earth. That's why he puts you here. If he needed you in heaven, he wouldn't put you here. He needs you here on the earth, influencing people for the kingdom of God. And I'm not doubting that your grandmother stood and believed and and, and stood in faith. But I'll tell you right now, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know the pain that is going through their bodies. And there are sometimes for individuals, it's just easier to say, Lord, I've stood, I've believed you, but I'm tired.
happens. And in that instant, you don't know what, what people say. You don't know what people go through. But the bottom line is her story does not change the fact that my God will heal and can heal if you give him the time and the ability to. And if you put your faith in the power of God, when you hook the two up, supernatural things can happen. There's no experience that will change my stance on the word. Amen. And you just got to be that strong about it, that bold about it, that if God says that I can have it, and I believe it, and I confess it, and I'll live it out. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your healing power, your manifest power in our lives. We thank you that you uh, did not come to just redeem us spiritually, but you have set us free, even physically, Father. That sickness and disease is a power of darkness, is a power of the enemy, but you have given us power over that. You have given us power over the enemy. You have whipped him, stripped him, defeated him of all of his power and authority. And Father, I thank you today that we operate and walk in power as believers, as kingdom citizens, the healing power of God that you have made available to us. We thank you for that sacrifice that your son took, that your son made. Those stripes on his back, the pain that he endured for our healing. Father, I thank you for healing power right now that is made manifest to every single individual under the sound of my voice. I thank you that the healing power of God comes to them. Whatever they're going through, whatever they're enduring, those that couldn't be with us today because they're going through something. Father, I thank you right now that healing power is made available to them. And as they stand on your word and as they have faith in your word, they will see you come through. They will see you show up in their lives. I thank you for signs and wonders and miracles to take place. In Jesus' name, amen.